Hello, I'm Scott Linnell and welcome back to TW Now. Divorce is a term everyone knows and an event that has touched the lives of most of us. Divorce rates have risen significantly around the globe in the last few decades and many are avoiding marriage altogether in order to avoid the pain of divorce. Divorce also leaves a legacy in its wake for generations to come. Does divorce need to happen? What can be done to prevent this ubiquitous and all too common event? On today's program, we have two returning guests who are going to provide some thoughtful and caring answers to these questions. Mr. Gerald Weston and Mr. Rod McNair are both regular presenters on Tomorrow's World. They also are authors for Tomorrow's World and have both presented many presentations on the topic of marriage and family. Both of them have been longtime pastors of church congregations and have done much marriage counseling. So we're glad to have both of you on the show today and really looking forward to what you have to share with us Thank as we you. go forward. Thank you. Welcome back. So to start out with, gentlemen, I'd like to ask a question that will tap into your backgrounds as writers, as presenters, and as ministers. And, and certainly you've both been married for a very long time as well when we look at national averages. So you have personal experience with success in marriage as well. First question for you is, what have you noticed about the state of marriage and divorce in the world today? Well, I think one thing is that uh, the divorce statistics are all over the place. Uh, they're, they're consistently around 49, 50% in the United States, and it varies depending on the country, about 38% in Canada. But what I've noticed is that uh, those statistics are not as relevant as they once were because so many people are not bothering to get married. Mm -hmm. They simply move in and live together. And when you look at statistics, single women, for example, something like 78% uh, are, are sexually active, single women. And so, uh, so many people couple and decouple and that throws all the real statistics, hard statistics out. I think that it would be far higher than 50% uh, if, if you took those into account. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And just jumping off of uh, what you said, Mr. Weston, I think as far as divorce today and the, the state of divorce and state of marriages, um, clearly what we're, we're seeing is um, many people in the younger generation are so frightened of divorce because many of them have gone through it themselves and their, their parents, seeing their parents and the pain involved. And because of that, uh, they're avoiding marriage altogether, uh, but really choosing some very uh, unhealthy lifestyles because mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. And we're, as you know, as you mentioned here, we're nobody is a winner in this. There's so much pain that goes around and goes along and so there really has to be a better way and so I think that's uh, I'm excited to be talking about it today and that we're you're bringing it up <clears throat> just wanted to make a quick comment to our audience here that we understand divorce is difficult it's difficult for everybody involved and so our point today and our purpose is not to come down on people who've been divorced um, each of us in here has experienced divorce on one level or another, interacting with friends or family who's been divorced. We know it is a difficult situation. Our hope today is to get you some information that will hopefully be insightful, but also encouraging and even helpful as we go forward. When we look around, gentlemen, and we, we do see divorce all over the place. We see, as you were mentioning, Mr. Weston, people trying to dodge the bullet of divorce by 
not even getting married. <clears throat> Why is divorce so prevalent today when we look around? What are the causes? I think, uh, well, first of all, let me say that my own parents were divorced after I left home. So, uh, well, I didn't understand all the reasons. I understood a lot of it, and I never judged either one of them in that sense. Uh, it's just a tragedy, and I think that that's the way that all of us feel. It's just a tragedy. But I think it really gets back to not even understanding the purpose of marriage. If we don't know why we're marrying, then how can we possibly avoid divorce? And marriage today is no longer... Uh, an institution for many people. It's a one-day event. People move in, they live together for a while, then the, the woman may want to have a, uh, uh, her day in the sun, uh, have her nice dress, have everybody looking at her. It's a one-day event and it's not uh, for the, the right purposes. They, they simply don't understand because I think we could say the churches have not really taught the purpose of marriage. Hmm. Interesting. I think another reason why it is so prevalent today, when you look at history, there are some structural uh, things that happened in this country and, and around the world. Uh, my understanding, um, but I, th I think it was 1970 when the no-fault divorce uh, came into being by law in California and then spread to most of the country, mm -hmm. where before that, at least there was a, a sense of, the, there, there has to be, uh, something that happened, someone who is at fault, uh, you know, based on scripture when you pull, go back to it. But that really seemed to open the floodgates for a lot more, e let's say, um, easy divorce. No divorce is easy, but it made it whole, a whole lot easier for people to, uh, to get a divorce after that. Mm -hmm. Cultural expectations. Uh, have a lot to do with it. Right. I think that's interesting because India, which has probably the lowest birth rate of any major nation in the divorce, uh, not birth, rate, uh, divorce rate, let me get it right, uh, uh, of any country in the world, it's, it's around 1%. Uh, the expectation is one man, one woman, that's it for life. Mm. And uh, because they have that expectation, uh, they, they work through it. So what you're observing then is one of the reasons for high divorce rates in this country and many other countries is because divorce is an expectation. It's, uh, the society doesn't frown upon it and it, it's almost an expected, I don't know, right of passage. It's acceptable, acceptable by, by many people. There was a time when marriage was, you, you were embarrassed to be uh, divorced. Mm. Uh, my, my grandmother on my mother's side was divorced and uh, to her, her husband who had, that was his second marriage, so he had two divorces. And that's the early part of the last century. So, but that was very much frowned upon, but someplace along the line, uh, it became acceptable. Hmm. You know, what, what happens as well, as you're saying, a cultural expectation for those, for young people who have experienced it in their own home, that you know, all of us know that marriage has has challenges and, and there are times when you really have to put your needs aside and you have to buckle down and give to your mate in a way that maybe is not always comfortable. Um, and so <clears throat> I think one of the devastating effects and then causes a further divorce is when parents have divorced and when children, uh, the, the statistics are there, when, when a, a, a child of, of a divorced uh, parents 
are more likely to be divorced themselves. If they marry someone who was divorced, then it, it multiplies even more. Now, there are cases where, where people have bucked the, the tide, mm -hmm. and they have perhaps even decided that, well, because they saw it, I don't want this. But unfortunately, that's more the, the exception to the rule. So even by it happening and seeing how people solve problems or don't solve problems, it has perpetuated itself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you think of some other causes of divorce, either from the research that you've done or from personal experience that you've, you've been involved with counseling lots of people over the years? What have you noticed? Well, I think one of the changes that we've seen in our modern world is the, uh, is the fact that people engage in sexual activity prior to marriage. And all the studies show that people who do have a much greater rate of divorce. And, and virtually every study that I'm aware of shows that. Uh, it's become acceptable in our modern world. In fact, when you see two people going together, you, you almost expect that they are sleeping together uh, prior to marriage. And usually it happens very quickly. Uh, for, for single women, one study showed that it was only a matter of going with somebody for about two or three weeks and they're, they're jumping in bed. And that carries over. It has long-term consequences. I, if you'll permit me to tell the story that I've told many times, but many of our, our viewers may not hear about it. But uh, I was counseling a, a young fella and uh, a young girl who were wanting to get married, and they had been sleeping together ahead of time, and, and I pointed out that it was wrong, and, and uh, I, I said to the girl, you, you know that's wrong, and she said, she kind of hung her head, and uh, and I looked over at the fellow and he said, no, I don't see anything wrong with it. And I said, you don't. And he said, uh, dogs and cats don't have to get married. And a little bit later in the conversation when I was pointing out to her that he does not believe in a law higher than whatever feels good at the moment, that what makes you think that suddenly he's going to be faithful to you after marriage? And he jumped up and he said, I'd never do that. And uh, I said, uh, why not? Dogs and cats do. Uh, in other words, if we, if we have the attitude that we're no more than just a, a dog or a cat or a you know, physical being, a, a, an animal, then why should we expect people to live by a, a different standard? Mm -hmm. Mr. Weston, I think that, that's a great point. And it really, as you were talking about, marriage itself has been gutted in this country and for a long time. And it's become something that is that is all about feelings. It is all about love. That it obviously there there has to be uh, romance uh, for there to be marriage. But if you take away the the underpinning of the Bible, and there's a higher authority and a higher law, and it all becomes a Hollywood sort of story, which for a lot of people that's what mm -hmm. marriage has become then when it doesn't go well and it doesn't go according to Hollywood, then it's like they don't have the tools to deal with it when there are problems. Mm -hmm. It's all about me. Yeah. What, what, what is good for me? And there are really two ways, a uh, way of life that is outgoing, concern for the other person, and the other one is all about me. And oftentimes, even in the courtship, it's about my, my heart is thumping. Uh, we, we equate love with an emotion rather than a verb in action and how we treat the other person. Hmm. It, it's interesting that uh, when talking about causes, um, also there has been a myth going off of that and feelings and how we feel about ourselves. There's been a myth that has been perpetuated 
that uh, you know years ago in our in our history in our culture uh, sometimes people would stay together for the children uh -huh. and even if they weren't terribly happy they understood we need to stay together because we have these children we have to raise together and that has changed whereas sometimes in some cases uh, one or both parents will say well this is a toxic environment uh, I need to get out for the sake of the children and that has become a myth which is totally disproved by a lot of research um, but but it's still if you're in the moment if you're feeling in the moment all, all too often the emotions can override mm -hmm. the fact that no even in a less than ideal marriage it still is better for the children to try to work it out, barring some of the more extreme cases that mm -hmm. you know we could talk about. Mm -hmm. Where does commitment come into this? We've sort of been talking around it a little bit, but it sounds like there's, there doesn't seem to be a lot of commitment today. What's mm -hmm. the problem there? Where's that come from? Um, I, I think when I first got married, I, uh, uh, we had a very short uh, Court, well, we had a long courtship, but a, a short engagement period, and I was rushing around looking for a, a place to stay for the first night, and, and I, I talked to the uh, young lady at the counter, I, I wanted uh, a nice room and all for a honeymoon, and uh, when I said that I was getting married, she said, sucker, and she really meant it. Mm. And uh, I thought, at that point, that's something I'm never going to forget. I'm going to prove her wrong. I, I may never ever see her again, although uh, in the afterlife, I guess we could say I might run into her, and then I'll be able to uh, confront her with that. Mm. But I think that commitment is, is so important. And when, when we counsel people, it's very interesting to me that when people have problems, a lot of times they don't get counseling. But those that do really aren't looking to change themselves. Uh, they are coming to me as a counselor or, or uh, Mr. McNair or, or you. They're coming to somebody to find an ally against the other to have that person validate what this person is feeling. And oftentimes I will say, almost always, I'd say, well, who can you change? They know the right answer. The, intellectually, they know. Well, I can't change him. I can only change myself. But uh, then after that, it's immediately, it's the other person's fault. And it, it just goes that way in a counseling. They, they really aren't looking to change themselves. And until a person's willing to change himself, uh, it's not going to change. Mm. Absolutely. That really is the hallmark of, of health in marriage, that we're willing to change and grow. Um, and as you said, commitment is so huge. Um, one of the articles that we were uh, reading and you were uh, passing around beforehand um, it, from Newsweek, uh, from just, I think, this past year, uh, was stated marriage as an institution in the past inherently linked sex and commitment. That there was a time when, when sexual uh, relations meant commitment. And there were certain benefits, there were certain blessings, there were certain health that was related to that. But he says, the sexual revolution, however, began to disconnect sex from commitment. And so really it has been our culture that has done this. And as he says, frankly, the, uh, the women's movement has pushed this, but women have been, have been the big losers, uh, even according to the, the studies, even more than men, because those two things have been disconnected. Mm -hmm.
Yeah, this okay. sounds like it just comes back to the social mores mm -hmm. and the social expectations that you were talking about at the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if you have expectations of sex only within in marriage, and you have expectations that divorce shouldn't be happening, and you have expectations that marriage is important or it's sacred, it seems to be a lot more of a glue mm -hmm. to keep things together. Uh, absolutely. You know, one of the movies, the, one of the worst movies probably ever was uh, Love Story where Allie McGraw and Ryan O'Neill were in it, and she says to, to Ryan, uh, she says, love means you never have to say I'm sorry. <laughs> and that was, I, I believe the movie was written by, uh, or directed, or, or the story by someone who never been married. But even Ryan O'Neill, in a later movie, used that line at the end of the movie uh, as, a, as a joke, because anybody that has been married under, has to understand that there are many, many times when we have to say I'm sorry. And we do many things in marriage, each one of us, that uh, we ought to say I'm sorry for, probably don't say it nearly enough. Right. And you're, you're taking us now into the next question, and I'd like to pose that to you. <clears throat> the question is, how can divorce be prevented. Uh, before you get there, I just want to welcome our viewers. If you're just joining us, welcome to TW Now. Today we're talking about can divorce be prevented? And what I'd like to do too is if you have questions, I invite you to please go ahead and send them our way and we'll do our best to answer them. But yes, the gentlemen, the, the question, we've, we've talked about sort of the background here. What, what's the stage in the place of marriage and divorce in society today? What are some of the underlying causes for divorce that we're seeing so often and so frequently? But can, or how can divorce be prevented? What can individuals do? Uh, either whether they're in marriage already and they don't want their marriage to fall apart, or before they get married. Well, I don't want to jump too far ahead in, in the discussion, but um, it's interesting that the Apostle Paul uh, said to the man and the woman, basically uh, the husband and wife, that, that husbands are to love their wives and women are to respect their husbands. And that may sound very simple, but I think it's really at the heart and the core of so much of this. Uh, I used to think that it's little things that people fight over. I, I used to say that all the time. It's, it's not the big things, it's little things. But it's the little things that basically communicate to the other person, I don't love you. If it's a man, I don't love the, the wife. She doesn't feel love. She, she is validated through what we call love, uh, bringing her flowers, doing a lot of little things. A man wants to be respected uh, for what he, he's doing in the relationship more than the, the quite, quote, the emotion of love. And so um, uh, when, when a man doesn't feel respected, by the things that his wife is doing, or a woman doesn't feel loved by the things his, her husband is doing, that's what really creates the problems, and that's why the Apostle Paul was spot on with the advice he gave. A absolutely, and it's interesting that, that another scripture that um, really gives the antidote for, let's say, um, preventing, uh, trying to make your marriage uh, divorce-proof, is Revelation uh, chapter 3, it talks about how, or uh, chapter 2, it talks about how for one of the church eras, uh, Christ said, you have left your first love, remember and do the first works. Uh, one of the things that again our culture has dissociated is that our actions produce feelings. That when we are 
courting someone and we are in love and we're you know in the early stages we're 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 courteous we're nice we're kind we're thoughtful and what happens in marriage all too often we can let down our guard it's a sort of a natural thing that happens but if we if we track it and we could put it on a graph if we uh, tr do the first works if we start behaving in ways that produce feelings those feelings will come back they aren't gone forever and I think that's something that is all too often disconnected and there's another part in there that says remember from whence you have fallen and repent and do the first work so it means we have to change but you're, you're absolutely right on that once we get married I think especially as men we, we want to get married but it's the same for the woman as well. We want that, and once we have it, then we can take that off our bucket list Jesus and let's goal. move on. Yes, and so right. we, we have to remember those things. You know, I think too, for, and, and hopefully anyone in our audience, uh, maybe if they're a young person or if they have children uh, that are growing and getting into this stage, um, sexual promiscuity is such a huge issue in our day and age today. And yet, one of, the, one of the studies that we were looking at is, and th this is based on uh, research, that if you have no previous partners before you get married, and that your marriage partner is, is your only one that you've had a sexual experience with, your, your risk of divorce goes down to like five or six percent as opposed to 15 or 20 when you've just had one other uh, partner, that sort of thing. Uh, it, it is so important to really guard that part of our life before marriage in order to look down the road and really uh, that part of it, uh, it goes so a long ways to preventing divorce. Well, that's hard to do in this society today, too, isn't it? I mean, with, with all of the media around us, and we've got our devices that we can, we can tie into anything at any time, uh, guarding ourselves in that way is, is got to be, it's a vigilant effort. It's got right. to be constant. It has to be a priority. Mm -hmm. It has to be a priority because you're not going to get any help from society. You're not going to get any help from Hollywood. You're not going to get any help from, you know, the, the social media uh, giants. You're not going to get any help from your neighbors most of the time. It, it really has to become a personal, uh, a personal mission um, and parents a personal mission to help their children value that. I, I was talking, counseling a young lady one time who got pregnant outside of marriage. And I asked her, how did this happen? And uh, she couldn't uh, relate how exactly, what, what do you mean by how did it happen? I said, well, where were you? Well, I was over at his house. Was anybody else there? No, she was alone. And I asked her, do you see any relationship between that? And she said, no, she didn't see a relationship. But the scripture says flee fornication. That's sex before marriage. And it means that we have to consciously plan not to. In fact, she once, uh, at one point said, well, you act as though I planned this. I said, no. I'm not saying you planned this. What I'm saying is you did not plan for it not to happen. And if you don't learn the lesson this time, it'll happen again. And she was really upset at me at that point. And she kind of shouted at me that, no, no, won't, you don't know me. Well, now she has, um, last I heard in this quite a few years ago, she had three children out of wedlock because she never learned the lesson. We have to plan not for this to happen. And, and the, the first 
thing is, besides the commitment, uh, is simply not being putting yourself in a position where it can happen. Mm. Right. Well, you're talking about fornication, sex uh, before right. marriage. How does that principle, does that principle apply within marriage uh, to sex, to preventing sex outside of marriage once right. you're married? Yeah, I think there are certain rules we should set for ourselves. We don't, we don't uh, uh, go to somebody's house alone. Uh, you don't start flirting. Uh, with, with somebody else. These are things that sometimes you can catch yourself, uh, you know, uh, in a kind of flirtatious situation and you just have to back off and say, "Woo, I don't want to go down that road. I remember one night uh, coming home late and I stopped at a cafe uh, for uh, a little meal. It was about one in the morning or something. And, and the waitress was not overly attractive. She wasn't unattractive. But she showed me more attention than I felt comfortable with. And I decided I will not go back to that cafe. It was on the route of, uh, that I traveled a lot. I will not go back there unless my, my, my wife was with me. Uh, and, I, and I didn't because I didn't want to put myself into any kind of temptation. There's not a one of us in this world that under the wrong circumstances, the wrong time, can't make a, a serious mistake. I, I think you're right, Mr. Weston, and, and it's, it's really something how this, the, our culture today glorifies the whole idea of, of going right up to the edge of the cliff, mm -hmm. of, of getting, seeing how close you can get. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there's, it's interesting, when you look at themes in movies or TV shows, um, when there is a, when there's sexual tension between two unmarried people, uh -huh. that is, that's going to make an exciting story. Why don't they make a story about um, the sexual attraction between a, a husband and a wife? It's fascinating how that doesn't sell. There, there's, there's nothing exciting about it. But when there are two unmarried people or one person's married and then this other one's not and it's not their mate, why is that? But there, there's something about danger and going right up to the edge of, of the cliff. And as you said, God's word is very clear. Get away from the cliff. Go far away. Don't go close to it. Figure out what led you up to there, and and you don't you don't go to the edge of of uh, Half Dome in Yosemite, and uh, and not take risks. Right. You know you you keep yourself in uh, in safety. <clears throat> As we push forward here, any other thoughts that you have related to uh, principles, pieces of wisdom to help prevent divorce from happening and perhaps even tying into the scripture. Well, I think that um, we're here, we're, we're talking about a very emotional issue. We're talking about a very painful issue for a lot of people. As you've said, so many have been touched by this and so many have been affected by it and will continue to be affected by it. And so I think if as much as possible, and who, who knows, maybe even someone listening right now is, is, is this will prod them to think and to separate the emotion from what does God say, from what are actual uh, ways of dealing with problems, ways of dealing with issues that really do work and really do look downstream, long range. Um, I hope that maybe we will have prodded someone to, to pull themselves out of the situation because there's so much emotion and, and look objectively 
and maybe there are some other options if they are actually contemplating divorce, for example. Mm -hmm. I, I think you hit on something very important, that's emotional maturity. And emotional maturity is, is taught, it's learned. Uh, granted, some people are, are more uh, inclined to go in the right direction there, but we all have to learn how to control our emotions. And one of the ways that we learn it is in the family. In fact, that's, that's really how we learn emotional maturity is from a young age in a family relationship. And as our marriages break up, children are not learning these lessons. They're not learning proper manners. They're not learning respect for other people in many cases. Now, I know that we can always give exceptions to all these things, and I, I, I can hear the, the voices right now that, well, you know, this is different. Well, anecdotal is one thing, but when you look at the, the harsh reality of the big picture, uh, we're not learning proper emotional maturity, and so it, it, it just feeds on itself. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> we actually have a question that came in um, back to the idea of love and respect this person asks how exactly can a woman express that she respects her husband and this is, might well, be helpful given two gentlemen here <coughs> I can think of one example um, oftentimes women are more verbal than men and so and and sometimes that can come out as being critical uh, that sometimes that can come out as being quick to criticize and you know sometimes women may have a certain way of dealing with and working with other women and they may uh, they may even g give comments to other women that aren't offensive and yet they say the same thing to a man and it may come across as yeah I don't respect you so that, I think that's one thing that is very important for a woman to think, think through of being over, overly critical as opposed to thinking through how do I talk and how do I show respect in my words. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, being critical, especially in a public situation. Um, I, I could think of a, a little thing and that is that uh, women should uh, laugh at their husband's jokes even if they're not funny uh, with, within, a, within reason. Uh, they, they shouldn't uh, ridicule their husband in any way uh, in front of other people or um, correct them in this sort of thing because that, that tears down that respect. Mm -hmm. And if I can just jump in because I, I think oftentimes the first thing that we might hear is, well, wait a minute my husband or you know this this man that i'm involved with sometimes he does things that aren't you know uh, aren't nice or aren't respectable and i think there was an author who who um, who came out with a, a book a few years ago love and respect and he brings out the point that that men need to unconditionally love their wives and then he said the opposite Women need to unconditionally respect their husbands. And that's a really interesting thought in light of our culture today. Mm -hmm. That, you know, we really need to think about giving the other person what they need, mm -hmm. even if that moment in time they don't deserve it and they're not doing something that is, mm -hmm. is feeding that mm -hmm. response. Yeah, good, good point. Well, gentlemen, we are about out of time, but I want to ask one more question and have you please leave us, leave the audience with maybe a, a piece of advice, uh, a summary piece, uh, a, a parting comment. Uh, what, what do we need to take away from the program today? 
Mr. Weston? I think we need to understand that there are laws that regulate marriage. Uh, just as there's a law of gravity, there are laws that, that work. Whether it be, uh, you shall not commit adultery, or flee fornication, uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. There are many principles in Scripture that tell us uh, the, the secrets of, of marriage. Husbands loving their wives, and we talked about wives respecting their husbands, but we have to think about how, how do I show that love to my wife? And again, we can't criticize her publicly. Uh, we need to not put her down, but when she does nice things, we need to compliment her for it. One of the things that I, I know I fall short on is my wife will do something for me, maybe buy me something, and I'm not always excited about it. And uh, so it, it sends a message, why should I do that? I think that we need to understand there are laws, and there are biblical laws, and I, th I see you've got uh, one of the booklets there on uh, God's plan for happy marriage. We need to find out what those laws are, and then we need to apply them, not for the other person, but mm. for number one. Mm. And I think I would just say um, for anyone who is, who is in a, a difficult situation, to hang in there to hang in there and, and try to make it work. I mean, it's what God says, He hates divorce. Well, why does He hate divorce? Because they're often, most of the time, if we hang in there, even, and the research shows this, uh, if we hang in there, uh, you know, there was one study where uh, people who described their marriage as unhappy, and 60% of those who hung in there for five years now described their marriage as happy. So that is hope, and that is, that is that there are things that God does, and He has put it into motion. And so um, if we can hang in there and keep trying, uh, oftentimes it will get better. Mm -hmm. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you both for being on the program today. It has been helpful, and hopefully helpful to our audience. <clears throat> you know, divorce is an awful and a painful experience for all parties involved, just as the Bible states. Virtually no one goes into marriage seeking divorce, and most people who get divorced still hate the process in the aftermath. The encouraging truth is that divorce does not need to happen in most cases, and it can usually be prevented. People who take their time and seek wise counsel before they marry are more likely to have happier and longer lasting marriages. Those who build the skills and the character to weather the storms of marriage as we've talked about are married longer and they're happier. Truly committing to one's mate is key. Actively working to love and to honor and to respect and to give to one's mate are also critical. Finally, saving sexual relations, as we've talked about, for marriage is another key factor in preventing divorce. Marriage can last and be happy, but it takes preparation and also hard work. To find out how to make your current marriage or your future marriage happier, and how to greatly decrease your likelihood of divorce, we encourage you to try and get a copy of our booklet, God's Plan for Happy Marriage. It's available free of charge at our tomorrowsworld.org website. For more encouraging news about the future, visit tomorrowsworld.org and please stay tuned for TW Now each week. Next week, we plan to discuss the incredible power of gratitude. Did you know that gratitude has the power to totally change your perspective on the difficulties in your life? Join us next week to find out how.